Hello, everyone. Welcome back to a very special new season of Uncanny Treks. We are not just covering Star Trek Lower Deck Season 4, but also, what are we covering, Matt? We are covering, Bob, this old-ass cartoon from the 70s about Star Trek, the original series. Yes, yes. Sometimes called Star Trek colon the animated series. So we're going to bump one episode of Lower Deck Season 4 up against one episode of the animated series from the 70s Season 1. And then, you know, when Lower Deck Season 5 comes back, hopefully sooner rather than later, pay your writers and actors, Paramount. Uh, we will then, you know, continue with Season 1 of uh, the animated series and get into the short Season 2, probably. So I am Bob from Cascadia. That is Matt from the Southland. How the hell are you doing tonight, Matt? Doing pretty well, Bob. And one thing I want to let listeners know is that, you know, this season of Uncanny Treks, we've learned the secret sauce, guys. We know how it works. We're going to put the Lower Decks episode first, and then the old school animated episode at the end. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, it, offi- it offends alphabetical order, yet it seems to be the right thing to do. It offends chronological, alphabetical, all orders. Yeah, all orders, all orders. But when it comes but to audience engagement, it makes more sense. <laughs> we, we hear you, audience. We, we, well, we don't see you, but we hear you. You're valid. We don't want to see you. <laughs> yes. This is also going to be a supersize, supersize, supersize episode of Star Trek Lower Decks versus the animated series of Star Trek because Bob was out of town last weekend. So we are looking at the first three episodes of each show. So that is six episodes total, quite a number of episodes. First up, Matt, we've got Lower Decks Season 4, Episode 1, Tuvix. Does that sound familiar? Tuvix, Bob. Yes, Tuvix. Yeah. Okay. Sounds a lot like that character from Voyager. One Voyager reference he gets. One Voyager There's reference. There's one. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that originally aired on the 7th of September this year, 2023. We're putting it up against the first uh, animated series Star Trek episode, Beyond the Farthest Star. Uh, aired, what is that, almost exactly 50 years before on the 8th of September, 1973. Holy uh, shit, Matt, yeah. Wow. Do you want to walk? Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Do you want to walk us through the plot of uh, the Lower Decks episode, Tuvix? Well, Bob, this is just the Voyager episode of Lower Decks. Let's just put it that way. Like, you know, we had the musical episode for Strange New Worlds. We had the DS9 episode for Lower Decks last season. This is the Voyager Lower Decks episode. And everyone knows Voyager, Matt. Yeah, Bob, everyone knows Voyager. We all do. Everyone knows about Catherine Janeway and... Uh, salamanders. There's some, yeah, there's some salamanders. And isn't, isn't there a Borg on there? There's a lot of Borg on there. Surprising amount of Borg <laughs> on there. Uh, well, you know, arguably, as we will see, there's one person who doesn't know about Voyager, and that's my beloved co-host, Matt. Yeah, I don't know much about Voyager, folks. Although I did get a lot of the references just because it's kind of general Trek knowledge at this point. They didn't, I mean, they, they, they did make some deep cuts, I'm sure, and you'll point them out to me. But I was able to get a lot of the, the kind of surface level ones, like, you know, the, the ones everybody knows. I meant to go back and rewatch some Voyager stuff, but you know it's just been a busy couple of weeks, so I haven't had the time, sadly. But uh, so I my my uh, knowledge on this is not going to be as deep cut as it should be. But you know what? I watched most of these episodes on UPN back in the day, so I still have some UPN folks. UPN between episodes of Martin. No yeah, hey, hey! Don't forget about SmackDown and Judge Mathis, man. It was a great network. Oh yeah, SmackDown was on UPN for a while. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we're leading with memes, Matt. We have Boimler on holodeck waste removal duty. I, 
I don't know. I sometimes the way the show panders to the Facebook meme groups a little annoys me. I will, I will say that. Yeah, haven't I seen this before? Like he's done this before, right? Or is this just something they just like? Uh, you could correct me on this, but I'm pretty sure he hasn't. I'm pretty sure this is just a meme from uh, Star Trek shit posting. Although it was in the trailer for the season, so you've seen it before. Okay, maybe that's it. I just I just know that I feel like I have seen this. But it hasn't been recent, though. I felt like, but you're right, it's from the meme. They're literally just catering to the meme crowd. Yeah, yeah. And they've done that before, but this feels like a new level of, like, yeah. overtness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, speaking of catering, Matt, they're catering to me because it would seem, based on this episode, that Talyn is finally in the regular cast after they introduced her at the uh, end of season two, and then she was just not in the show in season three for some reason. Yeah, but will she stay, Bob? And I mean, we know she's stays for these next three episodes at least. But yeah, she's not in the she's not in episode two, but she is in episode three. So it seems like she's sticking around. Yeah, which I mean, it's annoying because I know, like, in our coverage of the other the other seasons, we're like, why is this character not staying? She would show up in either the finale or the, uh, the premiere, the, uh, initial episode, the premiere, and that's it. Yeah, and as much as I do love this show, and I do love Lower Decks a lot, I mean, it is definitely the second best uh, ongoing Star Trek show and second best of the new Star Trek shows. But that said, like, they have explored, you know, the Fantastic Four, our four main characters, very well. And so having a fifth wheel to that dynamic, I think, is very useful at this point in the show's run, right? Right, and since they're all lieutenant commanders now, like... Lieutenants, junior grade, Matt. JG, sorry, since they're JG... They got two more ranks to go before yeah. they're lieutenant commanders. Since they're JG, JG, whatever they are, but they 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 are can be in command of of uh, missions. She's gonna play a really good like foil to Boimler, I think. Yeah, have you seen people shipping Boimler and her online? No, I have not. It has started. It has started. Oh god, that'll be a fun little meme they can pick up on. I could see it being kind of funny. Like I have this image of like her breaking up with him when she realizes that he's just doing it because he's trying to, he's trying to have her be the Spock to his Kirk. Yeah. I could totally see that. Which even on this, right. even on, we'll, we'll get to it later in the third episode, but even on that mission, she, she, she seemed like she had her own separate little role. They've specifically put for her in this series. Yeah, yeah, it's too Almost like Boimler's mentor, but not. I mean, I don't know how to explain it because they're all. Yeah, it's sort of the same thing they've already done with like Ransom and Mariner, right? Where there's like mentorship, but also sexual tension. Yeah. Right. So, Matt, would you agree that uh, Voyager is, in fact, the prettiest ship? No, Bob, I have never been attracted to that ship. It's just. Ah. It's too oblique. Like the saucer section, it just rounds off too much. I don't like it. It bothers me. You know what else is too oblique, Matt? Your libido. <laughs> well, Matt, even if you're uh, aesthetically blind and you can't admit the uh, the surpassing superiority of Voyager and its uh, its oblique curves, you do have to admit that, like Ransom said, shit did get freaky on that ship. Oh, it did. It did get super freaky, but I didn't really know because I didn't watch it that much. But from what I understand, it's... yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And not only did it get freaky, Matt, it smelled like Borg. Yeah, what does Borg smell like? I imagine that Borg smell like oil. That seems very plausible, but I don't know. I just think it would be kind of hilarious if, like, the Borg just really smelled foul. And so, like, everybody's objection to being assimilated was not, like, the loss of individuality, the force, the forcing of it, blah, blah, blah. It was just, no, they just really smell bad, dog. I'm pretty sure that um, they have established that Klingon ships smell. I couldn't give you an exact reference or justification for this. 
But I feel like they've established that Klingon ships have, shall we say, a strong odor. And then presumably the Vulcans and the Romulans don't smell like, don't have particularly strong scents. And, but although we do know that Vulcans and presumably also Romulans do think humans smell kind of bad. Yeah, they despise the smell of humans, yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. One, that, that's the next step they need to take in, in, in Star Trek immersiveness. I need to know what all the, the everyone smells like. Because you know Daddy Pike smells good. Oh, yeah, especially especially whatever he's putting, putting in that hair. That yeah. product smells great. <laughs> so, uh, did you call uh, Dr. Tiana and Chief Billups merging from like three miles away? Did would you get did you get a hard on Bob because Tiana was there? <laughs> uh, well, the part that really got me going was when uh, Chief Shax whispers to the merged Tiana and Billups, "Do you have physical memories of our time together?" <laughs> that, uh, that was pretty funny. <laughs> The other bit that kind of got me uh, laughing quite a bit was, um, you know, this is true that uh, Voyager happened in the 70s of the 24th century, but referring to it as the 70s still does make me laugh. Okay, to, to run down the, the references for you. So those viruses, one of which was like laying dormant in the ship. That is a particular episode of Voyager. I, I must confess, I don't remember it very well. Okay. But... And that was one I would have rewatched had I had time. But the viruses get loose, and then the references kind of come loo- uh, pretty fast after that. Obviously, we had Tuvix. You already mentioned the salamanders, which, if uh, listeners don't know, the salamanders resulted when uh, Paris broke the transwarp barrier and evolved into a salamander and uh, kidnapped uh, Janeway. She turned into a salamander, and they had children, which Janeway then abandoned. They also I don't know have. I did watch Voyager. <laughs> hey man, it's one of the one of the great all time Voyager episodes. Yeah, so we have Chaotica. That he, he's like supposed to be like a Flash Gordon villain, like Ming the Merciless style. That's a hollow program that they went to in a couple fun episodes of later Voyager. Um, the Irish guy who talks about missing his wife. Uh, his name is Michael Sullivan. He's another holodeck program. There's a couple not as good episodes where the Voyager crew are chilling and like a kind of holodeck recreation of like an Irish seaside town in the 1920s. And that's uh, the source of one of the famous memes of Janeway is uh, getting a little, shall we say, uh, hot and bothered. And so she goes through to customize uh, the hollow program or the hollow, I don't know what you'd say, the, the character of Michael Sullivan to make him a little more attractive. She ups his education, and in one of the most famous lines in Voyager, she tells the computer, delete the wife. Oh! Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and then the clown, um, do you remember uh, Michael McKean, who played uh, Mr. Green from Clue and plays uh, uh, Saul's brother on Better Call Saul? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He played the clown on on an episode of Voyager, and he's like, that's also an episode I don't remember particularly well, and I don't think it was very good, although I do love Michael McKean as an actor uh, very much. But he's some sort of, like, evil psychic vampire clown, from what I recall. Okay, so the only other reference that I, like, wanted to ask you about, something about cheese? Oh, yeah, about Neelix's cheese. Um, that is, I think, a real reference but to be honest, kind of like the virus, it's one I don't have a strong memory of. Oh, okay. 
I just didn't know what that was about. And I, I was yeah, like, kind of. I think that is a real reference, but yeah, it's not not one I and didn't have time to rewatch any Voyager before this, sadly. Well, well, I mean, with all these references and stuff to Voyager, I knew this was like going to be like a love letter to Voyager fans, kind of like how Here All Trust Nothing was the love letter to DS9 fans last season. Although it's kind of interesting, and, and correct me if I'm wrong about this, but I felt like in the the DS9 episode last season it was more about seeing characters yeah it was more about cameos whereas this and, is just yeah like... and it wasn't about like uh, it wasn't about like obscure references to ds9 episodes right right and it's just kind of interesting and i mean i think this is like a fair way to treat the shows because you know ds9 has a lot of characters you care a lot about voyager and eh, not not so much and so to treat but, ds9 Bob, they were going to expand on those characters in prodigy <laughs> thank thank god that's canceled please please I, I hope prime please don't please don't bring it back let it die let it die but they could they could um, cameo those characters on this show instead but they wasted it on prodigy did you did you see everyone online being outraged that star trek day included no acknowledgement of prodigy it made me so happy yeah uh, yeah it made me laugh i was like wow yeah it really did suck and we weren't wrong <laughs> yeah i'm the I'm the Cardassian torturer in Chain of Command, just being like, no, there are only two animated Star Trek shows. <laughs> I'm like, guys, it, it's, it was so bad. I, I'm I'm okay with comparing like in these episodes we're comparing we're comparing Lower Decks and like this old school ass Star Trek cartoon. That's I'm just going to tell you, it's pretty bad. I'm okay with that. I was not okay with Prodigy. <laughs> yeah, beyond the pale, brother, beyond the pale. Yeah, yeah. So I will say the. The buildup to the the Janeway joke about you know her solution to the Tuvix problem was killing Tuvix, which uh, in my opinion is the right move. But the buildup to that joke I didn't think was amazing. But Shax's reaction to Janeway's solution to the Tuvix problem was pretty great. Yeah, I mean she should have murdered that dude, right? Like she murders Tuvix. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and to call him a dude is a little bit of a stretch, Matt. We yeah, might say she murdered I mean. an abomination. She corrected a mistake. She yeah, rectified she an error. An error. I also, I will say, I admire, respect, and celebrate Talyn's impartiality in this episode. She sees that, uh, you know, these these uh, Tuvix style creatures, uh, they need to be destroyed, and uh, you know, she respects Janeway's logic, and I respect her for that. Yeah. And uh, speaking of returning characters, at the end we also get a a return of those Cleon characters from the last episode of season two, like the lower deckers. And then the one lower decker who became the captain. I thought that was really cool. And I, you know, that was another thing where in that season two finale, they not only introduced to Lynn, but they introduced Klingon lower deckers. And then I was like, Oh, I expected them to use those more. And yeah, they didn't and that. they kill them off here, but it was nice to see them again. Yeah, we saw a couple of other characters that we haven't like. I feel like we haven't seen Bird Counselor in a long time. Migley Moo. Yeah, I feel like Migley Moo and Kayshawn were around in season three, but I feel like you're right that they weren't emphasized as much. Any guesses about the mystery ship that blew up the Cleon ship, Matt? I'm gonna go with either the Gerardi Borg, you know, Ooh. the Borgati, or <laughs> Mirror Cisco. It's gonna be Mirror Cisco, Bob. Oh, you're, you're betting on Mirror Cisco. Yeah. Did. did did Mirror Cisco survive the DS9 episodes? I honestly don't remember. I don't. I don't. I couldn't remember either if he did or not. <laughs> but I'm assuming he did. <laughs> and if he didn't, we'll have a reason for him coming back. Don't worry. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Of course. It's not like yeah, it's that yeah. hard to do a resurrection. Yeah. We're um, gonna have Cisco coming back in lower decks, guys. 
You know, my, when you said the words Girardi Bur Borg, my first thought was no, that should be forgotten like Prodigy. But, you know, if a Star Trek was to bring back the Girardi Borg and to do something interesting with it, I think it would be Lower Decks. So, yeah, if it's the Girardi Borg, I can get down with that. Yeah, the Borgati. Let's do it. I will say one other reference. Um, in addition to all these others, the Voyager getting hijacked did sort of remind me of the season four finale of Voyager where they get hijacked. So that was another kind of like less obvious reference that came out to me. Well, Matt, who was your character of the week? Well, it sure as fuck wasn't Migley Moo because that character wasn't in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, are you, are you using our podcast to spread fake news? Are, are you a Russian? Are you a Russian op, Matt? Is that what I'm I mean? Sorry about that. So, yeah, Bob, I'm going to go with the curator of the Voyager ship. He had a, he was pretty funny, and I felt bad for him because he was trying his best just to make the ship stay in pristine condition, and they didn't give a shit. I was going to say, he, he he very much reminded me of your administrative style, Matt. So. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Quit messing up my um, stuff. <laughs> yeah. I, I, surprisingly enough, I'll give it to Ransom uh, this week. I uh, enjoy his uh, mentorship style, and uh, I enjoy him bonding with Keishan. I thought that was fun. All right, Bob. So let's shift right. into this '70s cartoon. Yeah. Of Star so Trek. we're going into the first episode of the animated series Beyond the Farthest Star. Matt, what's the plot of Beyond the Farthest Star? Uh, I think you just need to watch Star Trek: The Motion Picture. It's like a condensed version. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty much. And it, you know, yeah. that's a you know uh, Gene Roddenberry very into megastructures, very into god stories, very into you know mysterious threat to the solar system. Uh, that comes up several times in this series, in the motion picture, in Star Trek Four, in the original series, even a little bit in Next Gen. It's it's a, it's there a lot. So, Bob, to kind of set the stage for the listeners, this came out prior to the motion picture, but after the original series had the boot, right? Yeah, I think it starts. Let's see, is the are, I can't I remember seventy three. Yeah, I can't remember if the last original series episodes are 68 or 69. I think they're 69. So this would have been four years or so after the end of the original series. And the motion picture comes out in 79, right? Yeah, so then you're talking, so, wow, <laughs> yeah. six years. Yeah, so four years after the original series, six years after, um, after the motion picture. I mean, the idea was to do, you know, basically to do condensed Star Trek original series stories. A couple of them might even have been leftover scripts from that. But, you know, with 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 the animation in a, in a I think a Saturday, I think it was a Saturday morning show, though, though maybe I'm wrong. I, I think as we'll see, like that, the execution of the animation maybe undermines you know, the the intelligence that is there in the scripts. Well, that's the one thing I wanted to point out from the get-go is that I don't know who the show is for. <laughs> I mean, it, it kind of almost fits in that prodigy thing where, like, it's a cartoon on a Saturday morning, so you think it's for kids, but then the plots are kind of sophisticated for a Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah. Maybe not for yeah. you when you were that age, but for most kids at that age, like, <laughs> it, it was, there was a lot going on that just didn't really apply to children or anything they would be interested in. One thing I will say is, and you could disagree with me, and I might be wrong about this because I'm not an expert, but I feel, and it was a Saturday morning show, it would seem, um, yeah. but I feel like the conventions and the expectations of children's animation weren't that well developed in the early 70s, right? right. And there was a sense that just like 
eh, it doesn't matter. The, the stupid kids will watch anything. So the thinking probably was like, okay, kids will watch anything, and we can also get in some adult Trekkies. I, I assume that was the thinking. You're probably right, which I think was the theme with Prodigy, too. It's just a lot of colorful moving pictures <laughs> yeah, that children yeah. will watch regardless of what's going on. But then the adults will also be in the room listening and being like, okay, wow, this is like the continuing adventures of Star Trek. And, and don't forget that all-important third category for Prodigy, which is the large swath of Trekkies forcing their children to watch yeah. the show. <laughs> which is, because I, I don't believe any child watches Prodigy voluntarily. I believe they're coerced into it. I like to think that people in the '70s were not forcing their children to watch this. I really no. That. I like I like to think it was a better a better time, and yeah. uh, people weren't so in, insane about making sure their uh, their children shared their religious beliefs, like their beliefs in Star Trek. <laughs> so, Bob, my first exposure to this in this episode, the animation is terrible. I'll just go ahead and say, yeah, it. yeah. I'm I was going to ask, do, what what it. what bothers you more, Matt, the animation or the music? Oh, probably the animation more than anything. Okay. I could give the music a, like, I know they're probably just using stock music or music that they, like, could only, like, produce on, like, one keyboard or some shit. Like, I don't, I don't know. They, I don't think they had much of a budget for this. And they, I really, it, when the, when the, when it kept flashing too often, which was very annoying back in the 70s cartoons, they, um, mm-hmm. I just stopped watching it and just closed my eyes and listened to it. It sounds really good as a radio show. So if you are hesitant about wanting to watch these because it's a cartoon, if you just, close your eyes or you know don't turn the actual visual on it's not that bad it, it's it's pretty good yeah somebody should just like rip the rip the audio tracks off these yeah. it would make for a pretty good podcast yeah because you've got all the voice i mean all the voice actors are the legit actors so i mean you're getting well almost all almost, almost all. yeah but we'll get there yeah i matt i'm gonna say something a little extreme i i grant you that you have to be very careful with this animation because there is a real seizure risk but I kind of still prefer this to both Prodigy and the 2023 Superman cartoon we just finished covering. All right, uh, something's seriously wrong with you, Bob, because I can give you, yeah, the over-CGI looks like, you know, the Star Wars stuff bullshit of Prodigy. That that sucks, yes, I agree. But my image of Superman is light years ahead of this animation, so... I mean, <laughs> it's definitely... I wouldn't put those two in the same category. No, I wouldn't do that. I would definitely say that the... I think the animation is objectively worse in prodigy than the 70s show i would i would say yes i would have to agree that the animation in the superman show is objectively better than this filmation star trek but i just as a matter of personal style and preference i still prefer this to the superman one wow bob has not been a but bob has not been exposed to to uh eastern animation I mean, there's I I liked Cowboy Bebop. I watched that in um I watched that in college with an ex. We had a good time. I'm I'm gonna watch Evangelion at some point. I haven't gotten around to it yet, but I'll I'll get around to it at some point. Yeah, did you watch Speed Racer, Bob? I did watch a lot of Speed Racer as a child. Uh, probably too much in yeah, hindsight. Me too. Uh, yeah, so I will say it's not my my aversion to the Superman animation. It's not an aversion to all Japanese animation. It's just an aversion to a certain, like, I think more juvenile style of it that's, you know, like, I don't like Dragon Ball Z at all either, you know? Bob hates Asian culture. That's what I just heard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is what I said. So, yeah, it's yeah. appropriate that you heard just that. Just go ahead and quote him on it. 
So to keep rolling, you know, you mentioned that most of the cast is back. If I remember the details right, Leonard Nimoy had to bargain hard, get everybody back. But they were initially, I think they were not going to bring anybody back but him. But he got him, he got him back. I think he got him back at pretty decent pay. But the studio still played hardball and refused to bring back Walter Cohen, who plays Chekhov. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So I think Gene Roddenberry's uh, solution was to give him a script gig for it's an episode we'll watch called The Infinite Vulcan, which no no disrespect to the great Walter Coeing, uh, not a great episode. And as a result of that, we have a new navigator. He's the tri-legged, tri-armed Edozian named Eric's. He, like basically every other male character on this show who's not voiced by one of the main cast, is voiced by Jimmy Doohan. Uh, so in this in these in this episode, Jimmy Doohan also voices the insectoid alien, transporter chief Kyle, and the magnetic symbiote. Damn, Jimmy Doohan was on a roll. Yeah, and I think basically uh, Majel Barrett, you know, who voices Nurse Chapel in the computer and plays Lexana Troy in the in Next Gen, she I think basically does all the uh, all the female characters that aren't in the main cast and so when we meet the relief communications officer uh, i believe that's magical barrett doing that although i'll double check it when we meet her well going back to uh, eric's bob we definitely need more aliens on starship bridges like humans should not hold that majority representation on federation vessels i mean i'm sorry uh, it just needs to be said like yeah yeah that, I that is one up for this cartoon Things started to get way better, like when, you know, live action with Next Gen, because you had a Klingon War, if you had Android Data, you had Betazoid, Indiana Troy. I want, like, a weird-ass alien on the bridge, though. Yeah, honestly, that's one of the things that I kind of dislike about New Trek, is I don't think they've leaned hard enough into aliens, right? I mean, we do have some good ones, like Saru on Disco is a very good alien. And then, but then we also have that, you know, thing that like Discovery and uh, Strange New Worlds do where like they kill off an alien character because the makeup is too involved. Yeah. And then they make them humanoid. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Not the best. Not the very best. Annoying. And yeah, that's one of the reasons I was kind of thinking this during the pandemic, right? Is that, you know, when it looked like we might not open up for even longer than it took us to open up, it was like, well, maybe this just means the future of Star Trek is going to have to be heavily animated. And it's like, at least in terms of representing aliens, that, that could be a very good thing. Because it's, it's, always, it's always striking when you see, like, a, a non-humanoid alien on the bridge. Yeah, yeah. Working with the Federation, because you're just so used to everyone being... I mean, even Saru's humanoid enough, you know, like... It, yeah, yeah. But when you Although, gotta, man, uh, he, he looks very alien when he's standing up. Oh, yeah, when he's standing, yeah, he's super tall, but... Yeah, I mean it's it's not well, three legs and three arms. Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. That's true. You don't and need like really... to provide alternate bathrooms. <laughs> yeah, we really do need an. Uh, you know, Saru was a captain for one season of Discovery, but we really do need an alien captain too. Like, is that would be very cool as an ongoing thing. Yeah, they need to have. They should have a show like that. I don't know. I don't know how they would determine what alien to go for. I mean, I assume they would, if it's live action, they would go for something relatively easy, right? Like a Vulcan or a Tellarite, trill. but trill, oh, trill, Betazoid, yeah. Bajoran. Yeah. <laughs> so it is pretty insane in this episode that the away team uh, is the foremost senior members of the crew. 
yeah, I kept waiting for someone to die, and I'm like, that dude in the red shirt could die, and I'm like, wait, no, that's Scotty. He can't. So, <laughs> <it's> like... <laughs> so, Matt, are you willing to acknowledge that there's an obvious superiority of life support belts as opposed to spacesuits? Like, this is the first time and last time I think I've ever seen these things, or and ever will see these things. Uh, I, I, I think they come back in this show. I'm pretty sure they do. Oh, they come back in this wrong. show? Okay. Yeah, yeah. But obviously, yeah, obviously no, not after this show. Although, they just didn't want to draw the spacesuits. <laughs> of course, that's, yeah, of course that's the answer. They just yeah. wanted to draw a force field, not a spacesuit. Yeah. <laughs> you can either draw some squiggly lines or a whole spacesuit. Which would you rather yeah. do? Uh... Are you sure Lower Decks hasn't used them, though? I'm sure they have, Bob. But Lower Decks, like... This is the issue I have with Lower Decks. Yes, they constantly refer to shit all the time, but I don't remember, like... Yeah, because they're so, the so often and so fleeting. It's hard was to it just a throw-off gag, you know? I don't, a yeah, throwaway gag, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I do hope that the actor on Strange New Worlds who plays Chief Kyle does grow a sick mustache like the animated Chief Kyle. That would be great. How many different damn versions of Chief Kyle do we have now, Bob? I didn't know Chief Kyle until we started this podcast. And now I've, like, I've met three different versions of the man. At least. Yeah, I, I think there's just the three. There's the, I don't know the actor's name, unfortunately, but there's the guy playing him on the original series. There's the... Strange New Worlds. And yeah, the this. newer, younger Asian dude on Strange New Worlds. Although he, as we said, he wasn't in season two at all, which was kind of weird. And then, yeah, you have the animated version verse voiced by Jimmy Doohan. Do they have, I wonder if they had one in Star, if Chief Kyle was in Star Trek, the, uh, the Kelvin version. Oh, that's a good question. I don't I, I don't remember. Show. I'm leaning no, but I could be wrong. And he definitely was. You remember that? Was it the Star Trek, the 25th anniversary game we had as kids? Yeah. He was in that. Oh, yeah, he was. I remember that. I think Damn. he looked m more like the original series version yeah. than the animated yeah, he series like version. Live action. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Matt, would you agree that a green gas is the most sinister form of uh, alien life? Yes, Bob. You have to avoid green gas at all costs. And it's so lonely, Matt. I felt bad for that entity, Bob, at the end. They just abandoned that thing in space. It just wanted to get away. Jimmy Doohan's really earning the extra pay for the extra voices, man. He's putting <laughs> so much pathos into the so lonely. The poor thing. And, you know, I have to say, honestly, this episode, better than I remember. Like, it's not, I mean, obviously, it's got a lot of liabilities, but... Better yeah, we're not talking about here, folks. This is, this is, but it's okay. It's mediocre. It kept my attention most of the time. I was like, okay. Who's your character of the week from this episode, Matt? I'm going to go with McCoy for probably being the most difficult for them to animate and draw, but still looks absolutely nothing like D-Force Kelly. <laughs> so, good job, guys. Even though he, say, even though he says uh, nothing uh, this episode, uh, I'll, I'll go with Eric's. Uh, I love Eric's. Oh, and one thing I do want to point out, too, especially with McCoy, you can totally tell like the voice acting has been phoned in for a lot of these people. <laughs> <laughs> or they're just not trained voice actors, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely, I, definitely not. I think, yeah, Jimmy Dewan and Majel Barrett were the only ones who were. All right, Bob, so we want to shift into the second episode of Lower Decks we will be talking about. That's right, that's right. So we're putting up the second episode of Lower Decks Season 4, I Have No Bones, Yet I Must Flee. A very funny original series, uh, mocking title that. Uh, also aired on the 7th of September this year, 2023. And then almost 50 years uh, before, we have Yesteryear, the second episode of the animated series uh, from the 70s of Filmation Star Trek. Uh, arguably uh, the only one that was considered canon for the longest time. Originally aired on the 15th of September, 1973. Matt, what is the plot of I Have No Bones, Yet I Must Flee? 
Mariner tries to self-sabotage again while in a menagerie to rescue the most dangerous game. Indeed. And you might think the most dangerous game is man, but you would be wrong. Yes, you would be. And Bob, why do they put out two episodes for the season premiere? I was excited there were two, but sometimes I'm like, damn, there's two of them. Like, they didn't tell me they were doing this. <laughs> I, that's an interesting question. If we weren't in it, like, usually I think they might do it to, like, fit the, for scheduling reasons, right? Because they want the next show coming sooner because they got a lot of stuff in the pipeline, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But with the writer strike, that didn't yeah, with the writer strike and the actor strike, I yeah, I don't, I don't know why. Maybe, although I think it is sort of a hangover that you know we've kind of, although Netflix and some of the others still do it, but we've kind of moved off the binge model for uh, streaming, right? Yeah. We moved back to a weekly model. I would say majority, but there still tends to be like in preference to that binge model, there still does seem to be a tendency that you drop two or three for the season premiere. I guess to try to get people hooked or something. Yeah. If they don't like the, if they don't like the premiere, then maybe they'll like the first, the next episode. And I think, I think it also like, it is honestly kind of a nice gesture when you're paying for these services by month. It is kind of a nice gesture to have two at once. Right. And yeah, they certainly did that weird thing with uh, dropping the dropping the strange debt, yeah, the strange decks, the strange new worlds and lower decks crossover on was it San Diego Comic Con day right. this summer? That was that was a neat gesture, although it screwed up our scheduling. Yeah, but I mean, it wasn't nice because it was like a surprise. This, yeah, I mean, this was yeah. a surprise, but I'm just like, I don't understand why you would drop two episodes like that when you know there's a strike and you you need to you know stretch out your programming a little yeah, bit. Yeah, certainly it's something you would more expect to see from a show in a first season or a show that you don't you're not, you know, you want it to catch an audience or you want it to hook an audience. Right. Yeah. Which, because that first episode is always about just introducing people. The second episode is when they kind of get into the meat of what it's going to be about. Yeah, and I mean, like I said I, I can't think of examples offhand, but I know some streaming uh, services will drop like three or even four episodes at once. All right, Bob. So this episode, I'm going to be honest with you, of the three Lower Decks episodes, this is probably my least favorite. I can see that, but at the same time, I was super stoked that we have some Romulan Lower Deckers. I know you You know, that was an oversight. We hadn't seen them before. We see them now. I was excited. I love Romulans. Hey, when Romulans leave Upper Deckers. (laughs) hey So, Matt, what is the difference between a scheme and a conspiracy? I don't know. I think it has something to do with like the people involved in a scheme know it's intentional, whereas the people in a conspiracy don't. Okay, so it's a public-private thing. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I could, I could buy that. I wasn't sure. That's why I asked. It wasn't a trick question, unlike some and of the other questions. That was the best I could come up with you. in such a short matter of time. So good job, Matt. And by a short <laughs> matter of time, you mean literally a week? No, literally, like, the second you asked me, because I forgot to answer this on the notes. (laughs) So, Matt, were you happy with the Crusher Troy callback with uh, Shax and Ransom stretching it out in the mirror room? Okay, Bob, once again, I feel like this has already been done. This is the second... It was in the preview for the season. I know, Bob, but I'm not that crazy. I'm telling you, I have seen them do this already with something. Was it a meme? I, it Were people being funny was, and put shit online? It might have been a meme. Uh, it do, it does feel more familiar. Like I agree with you that it feels familiar, but See, I'm not there's sure. There's something that, going on here, yeah. Bob, and it's freaking me out because I had I had an issue in the first episode. Now this episode. 
Yeah, but they may be feeding us the same jokes, Bob, and they don't even realize it. I think what it probably is is just it was in the it was in the trailer, and then people memed it. That's probably what happened. Could be it. I will say too, though, that the gag of Boimler's new quarters, those were actually pretty good. Like, there's the one of it being right over the nacelle, and so bathed in red light constantly, or the one between the two holodecks, so he's hearing the shacks to Ayana sex noises. That that was all pretty amazing. And see, I've never even thought about that. Like, some of the quarters probably are really shitty, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but of course, Rutherford shows that you can, like, uh, he, he had some machine, he could just alter it, so it's all good. Oh, it was well. You just put, they have like window. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They ha- yeah, yeah, they have yeah. like window covers and like yeah. soundproofing wall shit. I don't know. Like, there's just stuff you could do to make sure you don't have to experience that. But I, I did love like Boibler's despair when he's just like, "Why would you put a quarters in between two holodecks?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like what hall is that? Where's your room right between these two holodecks? <laughs> Why is your room not a fucking holodeck? What, what about the hall? What if what if his room was a former holodeck, Bob? Oh that oh man, it probably they probably haven't gotten the smell or the fluid. That, that's out, that's ugh, gross. That makes it even worse. That makes it like five times worse. You, you thought that, smelling right? like Borg or smelling like yeah. Klingons bad? Wait till you smell human holodeck. Ugh. Ugh. God. <laughs> All right. We do also this episode get a nice little Enterprise reference. We now have Tucker tubes named after the chief engineer of the NX01. Is that what's what's his first name? Oh, God, don't put me on the spot. Ha ha, you don't know either. <laughs> I, wanna... I know some of their names. There's Meriwether. Trip, or... Trip Tucker. Travis Trip Tucker, Tucker. okay. Yeah, I I didn't, I actually got that after thinking. I didn't have Did to. I didn't. Yeah, there's also that attractive Vulcan. And... Yeah. Who else? Who was, orig- <laughs> who was originally, you know, the older Vulcan matriarch who presides over the the duel in a muck time, the Spock yeah. and Ponfar episode. Originally that was supposed to be her, but then they changed oh. the names. Oh, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. I, do you think they're going to do a Star Trek enterprise style tribute episode in uh, lower deck season five? Oh, hell yeah, they will. You know, they will They'll yeah. just keep yeah. doing this. It's milking. The you money. know, I, I honestly think I want to see the discovery one. I think that would be like probably better than the show. Star Trek discovery. <laughs> It's the Lower Decks tribute to Discovery. That would be really fun, actually. Yeah, I'm, I'm really... Yeah, that would be nice. Hopefully they'll keep doing that kind of thing, because, you know, the Voyager stuff I enjoyed, but then they switched over to this episode, and I just was not as excited about this episode after getting the whole, like, the Voyager experience. You know what I mean? It's almost like a, a, It was almost like an amusement park attraction. First episode of the season, you got this Voyager ride, and then you go to this, which is... It's got some interesting callbacks, but it's kind of back to more of that formulaic model you see of the pre and the other episodes but matt this episode had ransom and mariner looking on in horror as the moopsie drank the zookeeper uh, yelling it's chugging him (laughs) bob is moopsie the new cute thing in star trek like are we gonna be i don't think we're hitting like baby yoda levels of adorable yet but with a name like moopsie and sounding like the canadian baby from south park we need a live action moopsie bob that's what i'm trying to say can I confess something embarrassing to you, Matt? What? So I watched this episode the Thursday night it came out. I, you know, I, I, I jotted down the notes and then I went to the airport. I didn't sleep well at the airport. I slept on the floor for just like a couple hours. I didn't form memories very well is what I'm saying. <laughs> and so I'm saying like late this week, I'm seeing moopsie memes all over my feed. 
And yeah. I'm just like, what the fuck is a moopsie? What, 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 why are people making up a moopsie? Why are they talking about a moopsie fighting a triple? I don't get it. And so, yes, now I remember the moopsie, but I had totally forgotten the moopsie until I reconsulted our notes. Yeah, and Bob, I actually thought the moopsie was in the other episodes. <laughs> that goes to show you this episode was not great, and moopsie was not that memorable, but it was kind of cute. I mean, it was I, I don't, bl- I don't blame the episode. I blame I had to travel and I had a busy yeah. week. That's what no, I blame. I blame the episode. All right, fair enough. Well, Matt, in, in the spirit of you blaming the episode, who is your character of the week? Uh, I'm gonna go with Mariner. And primarily for the first scene where they where she lands, she acts like the worst possible representation of Starfleet to try to get a rise out of Ransom. And it's just <laughs> cussing the whole time. It's, it's hilarious. So I feel a little bad for saying this because, uh, you know, episode three somewhat renders my complaint obsolete. But I felt this authentically when I jotted it down two Thursdays ago. So I'll stick with it. Uh, my my response to character of the week was good episode, but I'm just bitter that neither Talyn nor Jen were in it because at that point I still thought they were just going to forget Talyn ever happened. Bob's character of the week was Moopsy. All right, so oh yeah, that's uh, that's that's what I said. That's what I said. <laughs> so Matt, we're going to the only canonical episode, at least in the in the oh '90s and the aughts, the only canonical episode of uh, the filmation Star Trek Yesteryear. What's the plot of old Yesteryear? All right, Bob. Spock travels back in time to his childhood in the only episode of the animated series that was considered canon in the '80s and '90s. So we have a Spock time traveling episode. Yeah, yeah. Did it uh, did it feel familiar, Matt? Did you see the big influence of the Lower Deck Strange New Worlds crossover took from this episode? Yeah, it's just lots of time travel shenanigans. Yeah, yeah. I was really into this plot until time traveling Spock has like full on conversations with Sarek and Amanda in the past, and then I was like, "Damn it! This cartoon has been ruined." Even though they did get um, uh, the actor, the actors for Sarah and Amanda, that that stuff was dead. <laughs> they went all out for this, and it was still just ugh. It was it had such a good idea for at least you know a seventies animated version of Star Trek, but <laughs> like yeah, and then it just messed it up with that part. Yeah, so this won't shock you at all, but I really do dig Thelen, who's the Andorian replacement for Spock we see once the timeline alters. And I also really de- dig Loom Alik Ohm, who's the bird historian. The you know, the species name is Aurelian, the Aurelian historian. Uh, and I'm disappointed that we don't see Thelen or Loom Alik Ohm again in the show. Although, don't worry, Matt, you will at least see the design of Loom Alik Ohm again. And for the record, both the Andorian, the Bird, and the Guardian of Forever, all voiced by Jimmy Doohan. Man, that guy was making bank. For he, was. he was. He was, he was getting $30 check here, $30 check there. <laughs> and guys, that was like $800,000 back in 1973. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd also forgotten that, that like Kirk and Spock, you know, go to the Guardian of Forever world and they're studying uh, the early past of the Orions or sorry, the early, you know, the early history of the Orions. And I, I'd kind of thought I'd forgotten that they were studying the Orions. That's kind of a cool thing. They're trying to get inside into one of their enemies, you know? 
Yeah, so are we going to have some Orion pirates showing up later, Bob? Uh, you do, and it's actually the first time you ever see what the Orions look like oh, on shit. screen. Because they I've show up... Ships. At, yeah, well, they show up in Journey to Babel, that season two original series episode with Spock's parents. Um, but you don't see the ship in that thing. It's just like a it's just like a thing of light you know a dot of light you don't actually see the ship much less the orions but bob in the star trek anniversary game i did blow up several orion pirate ships uh no you didn't matt you blew up elysian pirates son of a bitch you're absolutely <laughs> right damn um but you will I, if i'm remembering correctly you will have to wait till season two of the show to see the orion pirates okay well, I'll look forward to that, Bob. <laughs> Matt, do you think uh, Idic or Infinite Diversity and Infinite Combinations is really just something the Vulcans came up with to try to say that you can't make fun of how stupid their children's dress is? Bob, th those young Vulcans look fucking stupid. Uh, I don't mean Yeah, it's terrible. It's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to see what <laughs> terrible design work looks like, look, look no further than these weird ass overall things that the Vulcans are wearing. <laughs> uh, but Matt, on a, on a brighter note, what did you think of the Salot design, which is to say Spock's pet? Okay. The Salot is just like, it's this big teddy bear looking thing with fangs. It's got the body of a lion, <laughs> you know, the tail and all with the head of a bear and the fangs of a saber tooth tiger. And it looks like it was probably pulled from like animation cells of the Flintstones. But one of my favorite details, it only it only has one full fang because it's old. Half of the other fang has fallen off. Yeah, I didn't even catch that. It just. <laughs> yeah. Did I did I ever show you one of my favorite memes I made uh, back when I was still in the business of defending Star Trek Discovery online? No, what'd you do? So I took the I took the still of the the Salot being sick and uh, baby Spock and adult Spock looking down at it. I drew a circle around the broken fang and I said minor production inconsistency. And then I labeled adult Spock disco hater and I put a <laughs> word bubble that said, is this not canon? Oh shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I used to dunk on some disco haters, Matt. And then I became one. <laughs> Now we are the disco haters. <laughs> I got so good at dissing them on the came one. <laughs> well, my my position always was it has flaws. They're just not as serious as you think they are, and all no Star Trek shows have flaws. And then then Stacey Abrams showed up, and I flipped on a dime. So uh, Matt, do you uh, do you know what the original plan from the the studio execs was for Young Spock and Ichaya, his Salot pet? I don't know, Bob. What were they going to do? They wanted them to be in the regular cast. They wanted them to come back into the future with adult Spock. <laughs> Wouldn't that screw up the timeline like way more? <laughs> like... Matt, what, what's important? Screwing up the timeline or having uh, characters that children viewers can relate to? That's what they want because like all cartoon show executives think that you have to have at least one kid character or else like the kids are going to be able to relate to anything on the show. Or in demonic shows like Star Trek Prodigy, they think you have to have like seven kid characters. So, Matt, did you uh, think the the predator that uh, ultimately, you know, uh, wound, fatally wounds uh, the Salot, it's called the Lamacha. 
Did you think the La Macha's audio track was basically a Godzilla roar? Because that was my suspicion. Oh, yeah. They cut that shit from something else. Probably came from Johnny Quest or something. You're right about the Flintstone energy to this, but you're also right that there's Johnny Quest energy to it. So, Matt, who was your character of the week for yesteryear? Uh, I'm going to go for Achaya for existing and then sacrificing himself for the uh, sake of the timeline. Thank you. I'm going. I'm going for a leak. Um, I love historians. I love bird aliens. What's not to love? It's like <laughs> chocolate and peanut butter, baby. Everything you'd ever like, all rolled into one. All right. So we're cruising on. We're finishing this stuff out, Matt. We're going to the third episodes of Lower Deck season four and the filmation Star Trek. That is to say, we're talking about Cradle of Vexlon, which originally aired on the 14th of September, 2023. And then we're talking about One of Our Planets is Missing, which originally aired on the 22nd of September, 1973. Matt, what is the plot for Cradle of Vexilon? So Captain Freeman messes up repairs on an ancient supercomputer running an artist ring world. Boimler is shockingly a poor leader. The other three probably get hazed. And Chief Billups' ferret, Lancelot, runs amok. Yeah, I think I messed that up. I think it should oh, just be Lancelot. Lancelot, was, sorry. Yeah, and no, Chief that was Billups, my bad. Hold on. And Chief Billups' ferret, Lancelot, runs amok. All right, there we go. Nice, nice. So, Matt, I do have to say, Ransom as a sculpture critic, really fun. I really liked his uh, thoughts about form, balance, ambition, talent. That was great. Yeah, they all look the same. and even even funnier than his exercises in art criticism the anomaly storage room which they now have access to as lieutenant jg's great stuff great stuff yeah but see this is where they start getting into this like weird ass territory where they're just doing nostalgia shit for nostalgia shit like that's that's the only thing i can say here though yeah you you got a room full full of gimmicks Yeah, and there are a lot of references here, and we are failing our listeners because that's the primary service we can provide is itemizing references. But honestly, I was too tired and too lazy to run down the references in the anomaly storage room. I apologize. The only thing I want to ask you, what is that damn thing that has like a talking face on it that's silver? Oh, the Betazoid gift box? That What did I miss that from? Uh, it's in It's in at least one, maybe more than one Next Generation episodes. Somehow I've missed that. Okay. I did not know what the yeah. hell that thing was. It looked like that thing on Pee Wee Herman. The, <laughs> I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but. Yeah, I do. If, if I you do. know, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> so, Matt, a uh, theoretical question raised by this episode Do Borgs maintain their genitals after assimilation? Yes. All right. And then. I actually. <laughs> I mean, what are they going to do? Chop them off? I mean, they, they assimilate it. They just, they turn it into a robot. I could make a point about pointlessness, but now that I think about it, I think we already know the answer to that, and it's gross to explain why, so I don't want to explain why. Yeah, so there, there you go, Bob. I will just say instead, Matt, I'm really deeply pissed about Boimler disrespecting the Kazinti Ensign, who's apparently named Taylor, which is weird. That doesn't seem like a Kazinti <laughs> name, but I'm deeply pissed about Ensign Boimler Taylor? disrespecting yeah, the Kazinti. Yeah. So, Bob, you exposed me to all these cat people. Well, in fairness, I expose you to Star Trek cartoons that expose you to cat people. Yeah, but you like me to you like me to see these cat people and stuff. And so, last week, my ass decided to take a trip back into Skyrim. You know, you Skyrim the video game. Oh, I, th- I thought you were talking about some sort of structure that was in the sky, Matt. Yeah, and I'm in the character creator. And of course, the first thing my ass seeks out is the cat character option, which is literally a damn Kazenti. I mean, it's like right down. It looks just like one. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I named him after my own cat. But the more you expose me to these stupid anthropomorphic aliens, like you know, bird people and cat people, the more accepting I become, Bob. And I'm not saying I like them, but I don't find them as lame when they do actually show up. So thank you for that, Bob. I'm I'm glad that my and Star Trek and really the all of uh, animated media in America's ambition of slowly turning you into a furry is working. I, I'm branching out, Bob. Thank you for doing that. <laughs> now when I play my games, I just don't pick the human white guy. <laughs> Good man. Good man. So, uh, Matt, there was something else you noted from the Anomaly Room. Yeah. Right? So... We have the return of the board game world from Move Along Home, you know, the DS9 episode. Mm-hmm. And it made me want to go watch the shitty episode, even though I've seen it and I know it's terrible. That's what mm-hmm. Lower Decks does. <laughs> <laughs> and I hate it. <laughs> I, I say I will say I like the way they just kind of did a like speed run through it, like uh-huh. as fast as they could, you know. I feel like it's almost like an amusement or escape room for these people. Like if they ever wanted to use that thing, they just gotta do it for <laughs> you know, an evening. Yeah. I never considered the possible influence of Move Along Home on escape rooms, but you're exactly right. Yeah, I, that, that's what it is. I mean, I feel like they could all get together in like a, a you know a hollow deck or somewhere and just be like, okay, we're gonna do this and then make it through and be done, make a night of it. Yeah, that. Uh, to keep going, I really did also like when Vexalon is rebooting the world and it starts talking about initiate fjords, distribute miasma, stir primordial ooze. That was great stuff. Yeah, it reminded me of the beginning of you. Ever, you played SimCity, right? Uh, not very much, actually. Oh. Very little. What well, the beginning when like they would show that they were you're you're constructing everything to be like reticulating splines, you know. This reminded me of that because it it talked about how they were building the world. You know, I kind of want our planet to be like this though. Like it just needs like a full reboot and just starts shooting up primordial ooze out of the ground. That'd be awesome. Clearly, this uh, this game isn't working, and we need to restore it to an earlier save point. Yes, please, Uh, please make that happen. Yeah, it's not not it's not working out well. (laughs) Or put out the update, folks. Put out the update. Yeah, yeah, we need we need we need some patches. Desperately need some patches. So, Bob, when Boimler's charred corpse came flying across all the debris at the end, you know, because he wouldn't let any of the other people help him, mm-hmm. uh, did you actually laugh at that? I laughed and I fist pumped. I, was like, I did yeah, too. Die, I Boimler, laughed my die. ass off. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> and it shouldn't be funny, but it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> well, Boimler is a very hateable character. Yeah, I'm starting to, I'm starting to understand it, Bob, because you've never, you haven't liked it since the beginning, but now I'm kind of like, oh, never kind of have. Funny. Never have. He tries so hard. <laughs> he <fell> so miserably. <laughs> <laughs> Although, Boimler in this episode is more interesting than he's ever been. Because, Matt, what happens to Boimler when he dies? Well, apparently he goes into the uh, the Red Room. Yeah, yeah and he Twin chills Peaks. with a koala. There wasn't a koala in Twin Peaks, but there is a koala in the Red Room in the Star Trek universe. There is. There really is. You can add a koala to the Red Room. Yeah, man. Any any other thoughts on the Twin Peaks connections here? I mean, no. Nah, I mean, we had like the zigzag pattern on the floor, and it just had that real like macabre feel to it. I mean, that's yeah, there wasn't yeah. much more than that. It, it's amazing all the weird things this uh, season is building, or this show is building too, right? Because we have the evil computer league, right? Like right. they're building towards that. They're building to whatever that mystery ship was in the premiere. And then now we have whatever this Twin Peaks angle, which honestly, in some ways, just feels like a retread of 
the story with Rutherford from last season, but because it's a Twin Peaks ripoff instead of a Tron ripoff, it feels much yeah. more promising. <laughs> it's more of a dream type theme. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's something else this show can do that I kind of look forward to as it goes on is it really should just embrace the surrealism more and more, you know? Well, yeah, because you can do so much more with animation. Yeah, yeah. All right, Bob. So for Lower Decks, my character of the week for this week, for this episode, is Freeman. And it's providing that strange duality between her problem with updating the computer part of the planet and Boimler's similar similar do-it-yourself style. How about yeah, that? I can't think of another time we've seen Freeman's like so directly involved in like problem solving. It's kind of right. interesting. Yeah, sure uh, should, I'm definitely should have called an engineer. <laughs> um, I'll definitely give it to the Twin Peaks koala. Nice. So we're gonna wrap down this mega-sized, mega-sized Star Trek animated premiere episode by talking about one of our planets is missing. What's the plot of the third episode of the Filmation Star Trek? That's right, Bob. The Enterprise versus a solar system devouring cloud. Reminds me of what they were going to do with Galactus in the uh, Fantastic Four movie. Yeah, Matt. So speaking of adult themes, this one's pretty uh, dark, eh? Pretty dark. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this was no way this was meant to be a kid show. Like, this this felt like adult animation for that time. It's just so dark. Like, so yeah. it, there's no no kid could watch this and be like. Oh, that's so cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's nothing really interesting for them. Yeah, yeah. Although it is pretty interesting that the animated series and the motion picture both really do kind of exploit their ability to kind of show vast size a lot easier than the original series budget could. So, you know, we have big clouds, big mega structures, you know, drawn or created with special effects rather right. than just, yeah. Well, that's just a sign of the time, too. Is that we've, I mean, we've already shifted what four or five years since the original series and then by 79 we're Mm -hmm. moving into the 80s with that technology so but yeah i think that was one of the other thinking like one of the thinkings was you could just make uh you could make more star trek and kids might watch it and i think one of the other thinking is like well you know we do have less limits so we can have more aliens more sci-fi things so let's do that oh yeah you could tell more interesting stories but yeah unfortunately yeah Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes they aren't. So, did you recognize old Bob Wesley, the governor of the planet that's about to be devoured? I by did the not. Cloud? I thought he was random as fuck. What is he supposed to be from? <laughs> he's a he's a he's a starship commander in the Ultimate Computer episode, oh. where they have like the war game that goes wrong. Okay, gotcha. And he was just, yeah. Okay. yeah, I didn't yeah. recognize him. Yeah. Yeah, not not a very memorable character. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then I so you know we have the living cloud. Right, and then we have right. the living cloud possess Spock, and then we have McCoy about the deck, the cloud possess Spock. That made me laugh. <laughs> There's not much to talk about with this episode, folks. We apologize for that. It really is, uh, it, it, it wasn't my favorite. It's just lifeboat ethics and a living cloud, man. What do you want? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and is the living cloud intelligent? Is it not? They're gonna blow it up. <laughs> I don't know. I felt like they kind of ran out of steam on this episode. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, Matt, in the spirit of uh, running out of steam, who's your character of the week? Bob Scotty. He gave the Enterprise and Mantilles a chance to live. Well, Matt, you may not can do a DeForest Kelly voice, but you can certainly do a Bill Shatner pause. (laughs) 
Uh, I'll give it to Cloud Possessed Spock. Not Spock and not the Cloud, but the Cloud Possessing Spock. I, li- I like that. That works. Well, Matt, it's arguably the biggest episode we've ever done. Six episodes of TV. Six. Yeah. Yeah. So, of those six, Matt, we've met a lot of characters. Oh, Who's your favorite? Oh, man. Uh... You're going to hate me for this, Bob, but honestly, these last Lower Decks episodes really been Boimler. Can I go with Boimler? Dear God. I know, C- Bob. Couldn't you, couldn't you say the Twin Peaks Koala instead of no, Boimler? No, you said the Twin Peaks Koala already. I'm just going to say I'm going to go. I'm going to be a basic-ass bitch, and I'm going to go with Boimler. You are the most basic. Sorry. Um, I also have a kind of weird answer. Um, I, I wouldn't normally say he's like one of my favorite characters, but Ransom is like weirdly prominent in all three of these episodes. <laughs> he really and is. And he's also like pretty he's pretty charming. Like it's he he's the source of a lot of good gags. I really like his relationship with both Mariner and uh, Kayshawn in the first one. I I, I so I, I, you know, I'm kind of surprised I'm saying this, but I'll give it to Ransom. Nice. All right, Bob, out of all six episodes, this is going to piss you off too, but I'm going to have to give it to to the same one you did. I'm going to give it to Tuvix, Bob. That, out, out of all six episodes, Tuvix is probably the best one, but it's also the... It's pandering to fans, though. That's really all it is. It's just pandering. Yeah. like Fan service? The, yeah. Yeah, it's fan service. That's all it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's not much more yeah. to it. I wasn't going to give it to any of those old school episodes of the anime series, even though it's much better than I expected. But once again, I, if you don't watch it, if you if you act like it's a radio show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and then you, the first specifically... The, the, premiere, oh, the premiere episode of Lower Decks... It was it was okay. It's off to. No wait, that was the that was Tuvix. Tuvix was good. The second episode, not as great. Third episode, picking back up. Well, I mean, you did tell me that you wanted to watch something strange. Yeah, <laughs> so I agree. that's one of the reasons we're doing the uh, the filmation of Star Trek. It's extremely yeah. strange. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What'd you give it to, Bob? Uh, I, I gave it to Tuvix too, man. Uh, I, you know, I like Voyager. Uh, it, I'm, I can be fan serviced, even though sometimes I object to it. So I, I had a good time. <laughs> so Bob, next week we're covering whatever lower decks pops out, and also the Laura. The Laura. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I warn you, listeners, it is terrible, but it is, uh, it is of historical interest. Laura I think it also did. introduces the the cat communication officer too. I think. Oh boy, a Cassinthi. No, 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 no. She's a Cation. Cation. Shit. Yeah, yeah. Wait, what's the difference between Cassinti and Cation? Uh, different species. Uh, although some some people hypothesize that they have like a Vulcan, Vulcan Romulan thing going. Uh, but you'll notice that they're pretty different appearances when you when you see the Cation. Folks, that factoid was free. Just giving them out for free here on Uncanny Treks. Thank you for joining us for our magical mystery tour of the first three episodes of Star Trek Lower Decks and Star Trek the Animated Series. I am Bob in Cascadia. That is Matt in the Southland. Have a great night, everybody. Thanks for listening.